We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Chicago Bears select. Welcome to Picks for Polls, presented by the Bear Report. Your number one source for everything Chicago Bears draft news, analysis, scouting reports, and more. Presented by Blue Wire Pods. And now, making their way to the podium, Andrew Freeman and Usaid Koshal. Welcome to Picks for Polls, a Chicago Bears draft podcast presented by the Bear Report and Blue Wire Pods. My name is Andrew Freeman, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Yusei Kolschel. We're recording this episode on Tuesday, June 28th here, as the calendar is about to flip to July. I'm sure by uh, the time many of our listeners will be listening to this episode. But before we get to today's topic today, looking at the defense for the Bears going into the 2022 season, uh, Yusei, how are you doing today, man? Yeah, I'm doing well. You know, you mentioned a calendar's at July at this point. So we've got, I think, about 28 days until the Bears officially report to training camp. And then as of the 28th, you know, we've got 30 days until the first actual practices of training camp. So, you know, crazy to say, we always get to kind of mid-May and then the month of June. And we're like, well, there's not really much going on, but there's always kind of some activity going on. Obviously, you know, NFL league-wide, we had... Terry McLaurin getting, I think it was like a $71 million extension. And, you know, you look at that and you look at the market for wide receivers that's just really exploded over the last couple of seasons. And, you know, Field Yates from ESPN had such an intriguing tweet today. He's like, look, McLaurin's getting his bag. A.J. Brown got his. A couple other players really got their extension. You had guys like Devontae Adams getting it over the last couple of years, Tyreek Hill. But the next guy in line is Justin Jefferson. And I think, you know, if you're the Bears, right, you're paying such close attention to what is going on with the wide receiver position, I think, for two reasons specifically. Number one, because the Bears are going to have to make a decision on Darnell Mooney. Like, next year at this time, Darnell Mooney's going to be going into year four. It's basically eligible for he's basically eligible for a contract extension and so kind of how do the bears value him especially considering last season's production where if you look at his first two seasons i mean he's had four starting quarterbacks and has still managed to somehow emerge into a pretty legitimate weapon for the offense but you know friend of the show jacob infante had a great tweet today talking about how you know, the Bears are going to have to look at wide receivers heavily in the draft. And I don't think a lot of people have kind of kept up with 
some of the front office moves that were made. But if you look at it, you know, there is wide receiver Jackson, Jackson Smith Najigba from Ohio State. He's projected to be one of the top names. And funny enough, you know, the Bears just hired Ryan Kavanaugh as a Midwest scout who was on the Ohio State staff in 2021, which means some extra intel there. So that's just some, you know, early draft prospects for 2023 to keep an eye on for a team that is more than likely going to have a top 10 pick. Yeah, we'll be getting into some draft discussion over the next month or so as we kind of take a break from discussing the Bears before training camp kicks off. I am really excited to take a look at this wide receiver class. So I think um, for Bears fans, it, it should be a group to keep an eye on uh, to say the least, because like you said, wide receiver is going to be such a need for this team moving forward. And um, like you kind of mentioned, the wide receiver market has just exploded this offseason. I think I saw a tweet out there that said um, that only four wide receivers going into this offseason were making at least $20 million per year annually on their contracts. And that number has gone up to already to 12 this offseason alone. Uh, so 12 wide receivers making at least $20 million per year. I mean, that's just an insanely high number. And I think Tyree Kelly is making $30 million per year. So it's just ridiculous how much we've seen the market go up. And I mean, if Darla Mooney has a good year this upcoming year, I mean, be prepared for, you know, Ryan Poles, he should be prepared to get an extension done early because um, you want to get ahead of this thing. Um, there's a couple of young guys who are, Coming up here to get contract extensions soon. I mean, DK Metcalf is the big name uh, coming up here, going to the final year of his rookie contract. Um, I would say Deontay Johnson of the Pittsburgh Steelers is another name that uh, should be highly coveted on the wide receiver market coming up soon. So um, a couple of wide receivers to look out for. Justin Jefferson, obviously, I think he's going to get the bag um, when we get past this year because he'll be extension eligible. Um, so and, and just think about who's coming up next after that. Um, some of the younger guys on rookie deals, when you look at Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, um, some of these other younger wide receivers, C.D. Lamb um, was another name to keep an eye on. Like it, the wide receiver market's only going to be going up from here. So if you're the Bears, um, be proactive about this, about Darnell Mooney. If he has a good year next year, get a deal done because you cannot afford to lose any more wide receivers. And, you know, if you're going to be being aggressive next offseason, the Bears are going to have a lot of cap space. Um, be prepared if you're going to ex extend Mooney be prepared to go out there and sign another guy if if, uh, uh, if one of these wide receivers does hit the market or hit the trade market um, would be certainly an exciting move for the Bears who underinvested in wide receivers to say the least but we've talked about the offense quite a bit here you say it's been like a, a reoccurring theme for this entire offseason really you know offense what are the Bears going to do you know before the draft it was uh, what wide receivers the Bears could add in the draft to add to his wide receiver core um, you know, what wide receivers are out there in the trade market and free agency that the Bears could add um, to complement Darnell Mooney. Um, after the draft, <laughs> all we talked about, seemed like the entire conversation was, was, you know, why didn't the Bears invest more wide receivers? Why did they just pick Fields Jones? And last week, we had the entire discussion about the offense in general, talking about how, uh, you know, went over the wide receivers, obviously, in terms of Darnell Mooney. We know he's probably the only established option on this offense right now. Yeah, I hope that some of these guys pick up, but uh, today we'll be switching gears to the defensive side of the ball. Last week we went through the entire offensive discuss discussion, looking at who they added this, this off season, who they lost this off season. Um, you know, some of the moves they made in the draft, some of the moves they made in free agency, and then taking a look at how this unit stacks up as a whole. We're going to do the same exact thing for the defense today. Um, some 
important news came out for the defense in recent news. Um, Kyler Gordon getting extended by, or not getting extended, but signing his rookie contract for the Bears. So uh, the Bears are getting closer and closer to signing their entire rookie class. So that's definitely a very exciting thing. I mean, obviously you expect these contracts to get done, but we've had also had situations where like when Roquan Smith had his whole contract hold out in 2018, where he, I don't think he got that deal done until a couple of days into training camp, if I'm not mistaken. So we've had a couple of those situations in the past, but glad to see Kyler Gordon locked in uh, for his rookie deal now. And as we look at the Bears defense here uh, for this 2022 season, um, we're just, I'm going to go over some of the departures here. You say kind of similar to what we did last week. Obviously the big one was Khalil Mack losing him in a trade with the Los Angeles Chargers, training Khalil Mack for a second round pick and six round pick. Um, you know, a very shot, I wouldn't say a shocking trade at the time because he was kind of being floated out there that that was an idea that was going to happen. Um, but before we get into some of the other departures here, first of all, you say, you know, it's been a couple of months since we've been able to digest that whole Khalil Mack trade. In hindsight, now that we've seen uh, the entirety of the picks play out for what the Bears got in return, we haven't seen the cap space necessarily play out because we still have until next offseason until the cap benefit really starts to take an effect for of the Bears moving out from Cleo Mack's contract. But um, how are you feeling about the Cleo Mack trade in hindsight now that we've had a couple of months to uh, digest it? And um, just in general, how much do you think that's going to impact this Bears team, team and their defense going into 2022? Well, it's certainly such an intriguing, but also just such a fair question to ask. I mean, I think, you know, originally, and the Cleo Mack trade is one of those moments for this team where you kind of remember where you were. I remember I was at the mechanics getting the oil change done on my Honda when I saw the news break. But ultimately, you know, I think what's interesting is the fact that I also remember the, when the Bears actually traded for Mac and that whole story, we're not going to dive into it. But, you know, when you look at the kind of trade, the way things went down, what you basically saw was this was a salary dump and it was just a way for Ryan Bowles to go ahead and just give the Bears a bit more breathing room now ultimately when you look at it you look at the return and say hey you know had you held on to Khalil Mack for a couple more weeks going closer to the draft not shipping him off in mid-March is there a chance that you possibly could have had more in return yeah but again it was just all about getting the Bears that extra second round pick which was Jaquan Brisker by the way and then just giving the Bears some much needed financial flexibility because it's like I've said you know and again you and I have agreed on one thing time and time again is that it doesn't matter as to what some of these older veterans on the Bears roster do because the reality is that most of these guys are not going to be here in three to four years anyway. You know, the players that you see on the roster right now are going to be the building blocks. Some of these older veterans, well, guess what? Now, they're not necessarily going to be here in a couple of years when it is time to go ahead and hopefully extend a player like a Justin Fields. Okay, when you look at the original Khalil Mack trade, when the Bears made that move in 2018, I think everyone was on board with it not because he was a star pass rusher, but also because the Bears could afford to take that kind of gamble. But I think in the context of this current roster, the Bears knew that they needed to ship Khalil Mack out because they had tied too many resources into him. And again, you know, it's a hell of a move by Ryan Poles to ship off the franchise's best player. But I think originally when you look at the trade, I mean, it was only a 2022 second round pick and a 2023 sixth round selection that the Bears got in return. But then the Bears went ahead on draft day, you know, the, the very start of round three and flipped those two picks around 
um, that 2023rd sixth round pick. The Bears kind of flipped it around again for picks 254 and 255 in the seventh round, trading with the Chargers again, which ended up being safety Elijah Hicks from California and punter Trenton Gill from North Carolina State. So, you know, when you look at this trade overall, as I wrap up here, there's obviously a lot of mixed feelings because the Bears are going to need to figure out new ways to generate a legitimate pass rush this year. I don't personally think that a duo of Robert Quinn and Travis Gibson, who, again, I'm very high on, is going to make an offensive coordinator have to stay up at night. But I also think that when you look at this trade, Matt Eberflus certainly played a role and that the way that the NFL is going is this, is that it's all about, you know, addition by subtraction. So you add to the offense by continuously investing in that side of the ball and you have kind of a good, but also an above average defense where the offense is the backbone of the team. I think that this move right here was kind of the biggest signal of that. Yeah, I mean, I certainly have a lot of mixed feelings about the Cleo Mack trade because, I mean, Cleo Mack, for all intents and purposes, was the face of the franchise for the Bears the last, what, four, four years? Yeah, four years, four seasons. So uh, it's crazy how time flies by like that. Um, but, I mean, Cleo Mack, he's one of my favorite players in the NFL. He's one of my favorite Bears to watch, especially in recent history where the Bears, there hasn't been a lot of reasons to really root for this team because they've either been stuck in mediocrity like we saw, saw the last few years or just, just downright bad like during the Mark Tressman and John Fox years where it was almost unwatchable at times with how bad those teams were. So um, to fact, the fact that you had a player like Cleo Mack who was a primetime player um, one of the biggest names, you know, splash players in the entire NFL, um, a, a true superstar that really added legitimacy to this Bears organization after going through, through a couple of years of rebuild where it seemed like they, you know, the, the wheels were kind of spinning for them a little bit. Um, you know, Cleo Mack added a new energy to this Bears team. So the, when you're going to move on from a player like that, a potential Hall of Fame type of player like Cleo Mack is, which I, I still think he's going to be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. But you move on from a guy like that, um, you better have a plan in place. And, you know, we can talk about how the Bears maybe didn't get enough in return. You know, I, I think in hindsight, they probably got a fair return because, you know, Cleo Mack, considering everything, he's still on a big contract. He's getting up there in age. He's dealt with some injuries over the last couple of years. So I, I, I've, I've come to terms on the return that they got. I, I'm not stoked that they used all the picks that they got for Klumac to reinvest them in the defensive side of the ball and special teams. So you look at what the Bears eventually did with those second, that second-round pick and that sixth-round pick, which they turned to seventh-round picks. Uh, they got Jaquan Brisker out of that, who we'll talk about in a little bit when we get to the rookie class and the secondary here. Um, but also getting Elijah Hicks safety there and Trenton Gill punter out of North Carolina State. So, so uh, getting two safeties and a punter here uh, you know, it kind of feels like a little bit of a underwhelming return, especially when uh, those resources maybe could have been used to maybe, I don't know, you know, get a wide receiver, an offensive lineman there or trade down to get more picks. It, you know, uh, we'll have to see how it plays out in, in the long run here. My hope is going forward that, you know, again, it seems like Iberflus wants to set the tone and, and set the foundation on defense for first before they really start to throw resources at the offense in year two and year three of this regime. And we'll see if that strategy plays out here, but I hope going forward here, you know, the, the bears are going to be getting about $30 million in cap relief next off season by moving on from Khalil Mack. 
I believe that's the number. I, I could be wrong. Like it's somewhere between 26 to 30 million based off of where his contract hits were at. I mean, they took a $24 million dead cap pit this year to move on from Max. So they, they were able to save a little bit of money this year, but they're eating all of his dead money this year. So your hope is that next offseason, you know, they have a little bit more breathing room to, you know, go ahead and pay a guy like Roquan Smith and give him the type of contract he needs on that defensive side of the ball, and then use the additional resources saved to go out there and get some help for Justin Fields on offense next year, get some offensive line help, uh, get some additional weapons in the passing game to kind of uh, help boost this offense, which is pretty breath of talent, like we talked about last week. So if that's the plan moving forward, I can get behind it. Um, we'll just have, just have to see how it works out. I think in the end, it was a necessary move probably for where this regime wants to take things and you know if you're going to go full on rebuild here you know you're going to have to make some you know tough decisions like that and that, that certainly seemed like a tough decision and you know if they go ahead and really rebuild this year like move on from the Robert Quinn's of the world and um you know we'll see if Eddie Jackson is guy they try to move and Cody Whitehair is the guy they try to move off of in the next couple of years or so this Bears team can look drastically different in the next couple of years and I think the Cleo Mack trade was the first start of that we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Speaking of some new faces here, um, let's continue on with the, um, not additions here, but the losses for this Bears defense this offseason because the Bears, I mean, they practically lost basically the most of that, whatever 2018 defensive members were left for this Bears team, they pretty much lost in this offseason. So you go to the defensive line, uh, they lost a couple of, of players that have been the face of this defense alongside Kilomack for a long time here. Uh, losing Akeem Hicks is the big one as he left for in free agency to sign with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They released Eddie Goldman, which is one of the first uh, picks of the Ryan Pace regime back in 2015. Uh, broke out as one of the best nose tackles in the NFL for a couple of years, especially in 2018, which was his best season as a Bear. Um, but, you know, injuries and um, some some pretty poor play the last couple of years, and as well as missing the entire 2020 season, uh, you know, the writing was on the wall that he was going to be uh, out of a job here and, and getting cut. I don't think he signed with the team yet, as, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they lost Bilal Nichols as he left him free agency to go sign a deal with the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, and, you know, he was a key rotational piece for this Bears defensive line. So basically, the entire defensive line of that 2018 team is gone. When you look at Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, those are their top three guys that year on the defensive line, just completely gone. Like that's how fast things can change in the NFL. Four years later, you know, the Bears had 
the best defense in the NFL, one of the best cores to build around, you think, in the front seven. And that is basically just wiped out at this point. Uh, you go to the linebacker room, they lose Dan Trevathan. They said that June 1st cut him. Um, one of the biggest mistakes of the Ryan Pace regime was, uh, one, the extension of, of Dan Trevathan in terms of deciding to keep him on long term when you have a guy like Roquan Smith who can hold on the floor at linebacker. But the way they structured that contract, backloading the heck out of it, um, the Bears are going to be paying that bill going into next year as well because of the way it's structured. So uh, Dan Trevathan, you know, it seems like his football career is probably done at this point. Um, just the, the way knee injuries have kind of just, you know, destroyed his career at this point. Injuries, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy. He's not the same player that he once was, um, but we wish the best for him moving forward, certainly for uh, whatever he says he does, whatever he decides to do next. And then the secondary, they lost a couple of pieces. Uh, to Sean Gibson, uh, losing him. I, I don't think he signed with the team yet, but they let him go in free agency. They, they, they've revamped this entire secondary here. So um, out of those losses, you say, are there any that stand out to you as players that you think the Bears are going to miss going into next year um, and even going into the future besides just this upcoming season? Yeah, well, see, that's a loaded question right there because – I, when evaluating the roster, I knew for a fact that, and this goes back almost two years at this point, right? The start of 2020, I knew that we were kind of getting to the twilight years of the Akeem Hicks era. And I think that really the cherry on top for Akeem Hicks was that elbow injury that he sustained against the Raiders in that 2019 game in London, where just after that, he was never really the same. He kind of tried to come back after that, but again, dealt with so much. You look at Eddie Goldman, who I think was really underrated and good at what he did under Vic Fangio. But then as soon as Chuck Pagano and Sean Desai kind of took over, Goldman's play severely fell off. You look at just him kind of missing COVID, the COVID year in 2020, deciding to opt out for health reasons. You know, when he came back in 2021, there was all sorts of confusion about, is Eddie Goldman going to play? I remember people kind of tweeting at me saying, well, you know, we have speculation that Eddie Goldman's going to retire and there's a chance he even retires midseason halfway through 2021. That never happened. You look at Bilal Nichols, you know, he was a guy that I thought was really promising as a rookie. Obviously, his development got stunted as a result of the broken hand that he sustained during week two of the 2019 season. You know, and then you look at a guy like Danny Trevathan. Now, the Trevathan contract extension was you're right, one of the worst moves ever. Because when you look at the six seasons that Trevathan spent in Chicago, he was never really fully healthy. I mean, he played really only two full seasons. So you look at that, and I think that after he had kind of that dislocated elbow in 2019, I believe it was, or 2020, right? You could just tell that this was never the same Danny Trevathan again. But I will say, the offseason, the Bears signed Danny Trevathan in 2016. At that time, I think it was labeled as a perfect move, specifically because there was that familiarity with John Fox because both of them had spent time in Denver. And Trevathan was kind of a young ascending leader that really was going to help a team that was just searching for an identity at this point. And so ultimately, I think, you know, you look at just the major pieces the Bears have lost this offseason and on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, it's no doubt that this team's going through a transition and this team's still really going to be figuring out what its identity is. But I think the defensive side of the ball is just so intriguing because I think that ultimately what's going to happen is at the end of the day, Matt Eberflus is going to have this unit playing much better than a lot of people expect. And I say that because when you look at the research and you look at kind of past trends and numbers, there's a couple things to note. Number one, Matt Eberflus only had... 
really two first round picks on the defensive side of the ball in four years in Indianapolis. It was DeForest Buckner, who was a first round pick of the 49ers in 2016 that the Colts traded for. And then it was Quiddy Pay, who was a first round pick of the Colts in 2021. You know, the Colts drafted 19 defensive players over a four year period from 2018 to 2021. By the end of the 2021 season, 18 of those 19 guys were still on the roster. But then also you look at just Eberflus's track record in terms of turning Darius Leonard from a second-round pick into an all-pro linebacker, right? I think when we go back and if we were to redraft the 2020 – I'm sorry, the 2018 NFL draft, there's no doubt that Leonard would probably be a lot of people's first linebacker off the board. And that's no disrespect to Roquan Smith – or even Tremaine Edmonds. And then you look at the secondary too, right? And Eberflus never really had any first-round pick there. But he did make it work with, well, I should say not a first-round pick. But he did have Xavier Rhodes. But Xavier Rhodes was a first-round pick of the Minnesota Vikings in 2013, right? So the Colts never selected a DB in the first round for Matt Eberflus. And yet he made it work with kind of guys that were just day two and day three picks. I think, you know, the future for this entire unit overall is bright. And if there was going to be one player, I would say that they're going to miss out of kind of all the subtractions this offseason. I think without a doubt, you know, I would lean Khalil Mack specifically because when you look at it, right, Khalil Mack is the type of player, and I know it's such an obvious answer, but at the end of the day, he is the type of player which would keep a young team like this together and just set the standard and set the tone. You know, I look at Khalil Mack and again, the handful of times you and I got to watch him up close at Bears camp last year, where they were literally doing D line drills right in front of us, right? Probably like 20, 25 feet away. I mean, you got the vibe very early that Khalil Mack is basically a coach's best friend as a player. Yeah, I, I agree. Khalil Mack is probably still going to be the biggest loss for them because even though Khalil Mack only played about half the season last year, he was still with a foot injury um, the, the entire time that he was even on the field playing. Um, you know, he's still – he's one of the best pass rushers to in the NFL. I know his sack numbers haven't been up there the last few years, but, I mean, you just watch this guy play in a snap-to-snap basis and you really focus on him and study him. Uh, this guy, he's one of the most dominant players in the NFL. I don't think he gets enough credit just because the sack numbers haven't been there. The Bears haven't been winning as much for how good he is still, even at, you know, the fact that he's probably not in his prime still. He's probably on the backside of his prime, um, but he's still a beast run defender. He's one of the best, you know, kick-ass players in the edge of the NFL. Um, and he's still got everything in his bag for a pass rusher. He can win with speed. He can win with that patented power he's got moves um you know he puts relentless pressure on quarterbacks uh and he, he constantly dominates one-on-one matchups so you lose a guy like Khalil Mack it's obviously going to have a huge impact on your defense because not only does he make plays as an individual but he sets the table and he makes things easier for a lot of other players who go out there and make plays so you lose him obviously and again I, Ryan Poles knew this, Matt Eberflus knew this when they made that trade, that, you know, they were had to take a couple steps back on this side of the ball um, before they were going to take steps forward. And, you know, we could reminisce about all these guys that they lost that were part of that 2018 defense. I'm always still going to have a soft spot in my heart for all these guys because, you know, that was one of the most fun years I've had as a Bears fan over basically ever since I've been a fan. Like, I've been a fan um, basically throughout the 21st century. And 
outside of a couple of the loving years in 2018, it hasn't been very fun, guys. So um, I'll always have a, a lot of uh, warm feelings for that team um, and that defense especially. So I, I wish the best for all those guys. I, I think Cleo Mack's going to have a resurgent year in Los Angeles with the Chargers because that, that defense is, is loaded with Brandon again. So I, I'm excited to watch him play there. But, you know, you kind of alluded to here, it's a new era for this big Bears defense and I think Matt Eberflus made clear that he wants to put his stamp on things uh and really make this defense into his own and you know we saw the first couple moves for that I mean Matt Eberflus there's a lot of activity they really uh Ryan Poles and Eberflus they really added a lot of guys to really give Eberflus the chance to build his defense in his own image this offseason to get started on that process so that's a good way to kind of transition to uh, the additions this offseason. So I'm going to go through the main ones starting in free agency and then going to the draft and free agency. Um, a couple of signs that the, that the Bears made. Um, you know, the first, obviously, we have to talk about the Larry Ogunjobi, um whole fiasco that happened where, you know, if we remember Bears, it seemed like a while ago that this happened. But, I mean, this is really, it's only a couple of months ago at the beginning of the offseason. Uh, the Bears um, signed Larry Ogunjobi to a three-year deal on the first day of the offseason. And we, we all know the story by now. It fell through because of, um, you know, Larry Ujobi. He was recovering from uh, that plantar fasciitis injury, I think it was, uh, that he dealt with it at the end of the year for the Bengals. Um, was still recovering from that at the time, and he failed his physical for the Bears. They didn't feel comfortable going through the signing. So, um, you know, we found out that Ogunjobi signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers in the recent week. So um, Larry Ogunjobi's found a team. So that's good for him. He's going to have a chance to hit the market again next offseason. Maybe the Bears can make a play for him then. But, you know, that that obviously ruined a lot of things for the Bears' plans on the on that side of the ball because I think the Bears were planning on Larry Ogunjobi being a big part of this defense, uh, not only this year, but moving forward to kind of be that three-tech for them in this defense. And Matt Eberflus coming from uh, that Rob Marinelli, Lovey Smith coaching tree of, of, of sorts. And he kind of runs things differently, but, you know, he was a Ron Marinelli disciple who of course is part of the lovey smith tampa two coaching tree so in that defense the three technique is such an important part of that unit i mean you go back for the bears during their lo the lovey years tommy harris and we talk about him being probably outside of brian urlacher the most important part of that defense for that uh super bowl run that that team had in 2006 uh when you have a dominant three tech um to kind of cause disruption in the middle of that defensive line it does a lot of things for uh, this system what they wanted to do there so to lose that out and I got like that I mean Ryan Poles even admitted to it that it kind of uh, I wouldn't say ruined their offseason but it certainly prevented them from making other moves that they were thinking about doing during the first wave of free agency because he was kind of their big free agent signing that they were going to be going with here and the fact that they kind of that kind of fell through that that kind of you know set the tone basically for their offseason but you know they did make some other moves on the defensive side of the ball to make up for that um, obviously, they signed Justin Jones from the Los Angeles Chargers to kind of be that fill-in for uh, Larry Okunjobi to kind of fill that three-tech role for them. So they brought him in on a cheaper two-year contract. They brought Al-Kadi Muhammad from the Indianapolis Colts, who reunites with uh, Matt Eberflus here on a two-year deal to kind of be that base 4-3 defensive end for them. So getting some familiar faces here. Some other familiar faces that, that they brought in for Matt Eberflus, uh, linebacker uh, Matt Adams from the Indianapolis Colts they brought him in he's more of a special teams guy but he's familiar with his defense uh, and, and speaking of that linebacker room uh, bringing in Nicholas Morrow from the Las Vegas Raiders uh, who they signed on a one-year uh, prove-it type of deal um, you know he was a ascending player for the Raiders defense but missed all of last year with the injury so he comes in here 
And the Bears are taking a flyer on him to try, try and see if he can, uh, you know, maximize the potential in this defense scheme, which is pretty friendly for linebackers. And Eberflus is a linebackers coach. So they obviously see something in this guy to take a chance on him. Um, so those are a couple of the main signings that they made in the front seven. And then you look at the secondary here, you know, they add some guys on some vet minimum contracts and Tavon Young, quarterback from the Baltimore Ravens to compete for a spot in the slot. Uh, they signed Dan Kirkshank from the Tennessee Titans to kind of be that dime uh, safety for them. Um, Dan Kirkshank, a very versatile player, um, very good at coming down to the box to man up against tight ends. You know, I know Iberflus runs more of a zone system, but um, it's intriguing that Dan Kirkshank can kind of fill that role for them to be kind of that tight end matchup player for certain scenarios. So I'm kind of excited to see what they do with Dan Kirkshank there to see if uh, he's a guy that uh, will have big snaps here or whether he's just a competition body. Uh, to kind of bring in during training camp. You know, outside of that, there weren't many really big moves that the Bears made in free agency for the Bear for other defense. I mean, this is probably where most of their resources went this offseason. And we saw that further happen in the draft as well, where you look at their second round picks, you know, a lot of all Bears fans, all they're thinking about the entire draft process was what wide receiver were the Bears going to take in the second round? And then you get the pick in the first one. It's Kyler Gordon, quarterback out of Washington. You're like, okay. Well, the next one's got to be a wide receiver then. No, no. They, they go back to defensive back here. Jaquan Brisker, safety out of Penn State. And, you know, it had Bears fans in a frenzy, including myself uh, at the time. You know, why weren't you picking a wide receiver? But, you know, you look at these two guys, you say both these guys are going to fit nicely. I think the Evers was his defense, Keller Gordon, a uh, very good zone corner out of Washington, Jaquan Brisker, uh, a perfect compliment to Eddie Jackson in the back end of the defense is more of a box safety, uh, the guy who can be physical, um, you know, and play the run a little bit, but also pretty good cover guy as well. And then on day three, they added some names uh, to their defense here, Elijah Hill, uh, Elijah Hicks, I should say. Um, safety in the seventh round. And then in the fifth round, Dominique Robinson, a, a pass rusher uh, out of Miami of Ohio. Uh, so they, you know, kind of a raw guy um, to kind of bring in here and develop as a rotational piece early on. We'll see if the coaching staff can get a lot out, out of him. So um, I know that's a, that's a lot of names to kind of go down there, you say, but um, we're going to look at this list here. Who are some of the players that stick out to you and who do you think is going to make the biggest impact for uh, the additions for this defense? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Well, I think if there's any indication, it's going to be rookie Jaquan Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. That's going to have an impact in year one. You're looking at just kind of him being able to play alongside Eddie Jackson, but then also just seeing the fact that he is a player that is extremely fast, extremely physical. He just set a foundational 
perspective kind of fits everything that head coach Matt Eberflus is looking for in players on the defensive side of the ball overall. But then I think a second player to kind of really keep an eye on and someone I think is, you're right, really raw, but also very intriguing is in fact Dominique Robinson. Because when you do some basic research on Robinson, you realize that he originally committed to Miami of Ohio to go ahead and play wide receiver. At some point there, they switched him over to the defensive side of the ball. And why? Because they kind of saw just his measurables being about, I think, 6'5", right around 250, 260, and said, hey, there's a lot to work with there in terms of his skill set and becoming an adequate pass rusher. When you go back and you watch his film, there were times where there were lapses. You could tell he was completely new and foreign to the position, but then there were also other times where you're like, hey, he's slowly putting it all together. And so when we kind of look at this rookie class, I think that in the long term, the if I had to look back at this rookie class in three years, but predict things right now, I would say that Gordon is going to be the best overall player from this class. Because again, cornerbacks do have a tough time getting acclimated to the NFL in year one. So Gordon's going to be the best player, but do not discount, I think, Jaquan Brisker either as making an impact in year one. And then kind of just the wild card. And I don't ever think that Dominique Robinson is going to be a player who is a three-down starter in the NFL. I think that if he kind of comes in and follows a route similar to Travis Gibson, in terms of just being solid enough to be a rotational guy mixed in with some starting snaps, I think that that's good enough for a player who some are considering to be a legitimate steal in the fifth round. So, you know, this rookie class in terms of the defensive players, you look at it and, you know, it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a bit bold here, but I would not be surprised to see the Bears acquire two legitimate building blocks and then Robinson just be another third really smart player. A player such as an Elijah Hicks, I mean, at this point, you're looking at just special teams value, hoping you can get something out of him because he does have the skill set to eventually turn into a gunner on special teams. When I look at some of the free agent signings, I mean, I'm not even going to revisit the Larry Ogunjobi fiasco because ultimately the Bears knew that Ogunjobi was coming off offseason surgery. But wanted to go ahead and throw a fat contract at him anyway, which again, I think the bears, what they're going to do this season. And let me take a step back here. The Ogan Joby signing never really sat well with me for one main reason, not because the deal fell through because of a physical for a guy that was coming off a off season surgery, but it never sat well with me specifically. Cause when you look at Ogan Joby, he was never a household name at the DT position until that last season. So the Bears threw nearly $13 million a year at him. I think it was a big rookie mistake by Ryan Poles, by the way. The Bears threw a big contract at him, nearly 13 to $14 million a year. Why? Based off just one kind of good year of production. Now, when I look at a guy like Justin Jones in terms of some of these free agent signings, I think this year what we're going to see is that Justin Jones, who signed, I think it's like a two-year, $12 million deal, Originally was going to sign with the Colts, but then a late night phone call from Matt Eberflus changed his mind. I think Justin Jones is going to be a household name for the Bears this year. A player like an Al-Qudin Muhammad, you're looking at him as just bringing kind of that experience, which by the way, Qudin Muhammad, his career took off under Matt Eberflus. So the expectations there that he comes in and produces like he is not going to go ahead and miss an absolute beat. Yeah, Kadeem Muhammad is the easiest one to translate here because he was part of the Ibrahim's defense, and Ibrahim loves Kadeem Muhammad. Like, he played a lot of snap for the Colts. 
uh, the last couple of years. Kadeem Muhammad kind of fits that traditional role of, you know, whether it's Robert Quinn or Travis Gibson that is kind of in the rotation here. Um, but Kadeem Muhammad is going to play that early down run defender role because he's not much of a pass rusher. And to be honest, Justin Jones isn't much of a pass rusher either. At least he hasn't been that guy in Los Angeles. I'm not sure if maybe a new scheme will kind of unlock that for him, but Muhammad is, is definitely not a pass rusher. So, um, you know, those two guys are going to add impact for you as run defenders early on. So, I, you know, uh, two decent signs to make in terms of defending the run for you um, in their early going of things. If you want to, you know, set the tone on the defensive line and, um, you know, force teams to be one dimensional, um, you know, those are two nice signings to make there. Um, I, I will touch on this rookie class. I do think they got two long-term stars here when you look at uh, Brisker and Gordon. Like you said, you know, cornerback can be a tough position to kind of translate to when you look at Gordon uh, to the NFL. Now, Gordon is in a bit of a good spot, I think, compared to many other rookie corners because he is going to a cornerback-friendly system that Eberflus runs here. It's that zone-heavy uh, Tampa 2-inspired system where the cornerbacks aren't going to be left on an island too much. Their assignments are pretty easy. You know, they always have their eyes on the quarterback there. So he's going to have some chances, I think, here to make plays on the ball. But, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, long-term, Gordon and Brisker are the two big additions to uh, this defense here long-term because I think both those guys are going to be pretty good players for you long-term at the very least and, and be starters for you over the course of their rookie contracts. Again, at the bare minimum, I, I, I think, um, you know, you hope that those two can add to the foundation for this defensive secondary as they kind of retool this thing. Now, in terms of um, some free, some of the free agent guys that I, I think could be pieces for this team long-term, I look at Nicholas Moore. I think this is a guy that could potentially um, work his way up to being a long-term piece for this team. And I wouldn't be surprised if Morrow, you know, comes out and has a really good year to start off that the Bears try and get an extension for him uh, sometime this season with all the cap space that they have this year they can kind of use that cap space uh to get an extension to nicholas morrow if he has a good year and you know I, I say that because morrow he's a very athletic cover linebacker from the raiders he's i think he's a converted safety coming out of college so uh this guy is as really natural as a cover player first and i, I think it's one of the foundations of Ibrahim's defense is that his linebackers they don't necessarily play the run first they play the pass first which i, I really like that that um philosophy when you look at defending teams in the modern NFL, you need linebackers instead of, you know, selling out the run, um, you know, sell out on the pass, passing concepts first before you stop the run, because hopefully your defensive line is good enough to, um, you know, stonewall the offensive line and get the stop in the backfield there. So um, Morrow, he's got a lot of athletic potential, his coverage metrics and, and coverage stats. When you look at him in Las Vegas, all of them are pretty good. So um, if, they can somehow get their linebacker duo of the future here in Roquan Smith and, and lock him down long-term and Nicholas Morrow, he has a good year and they can lock him down long-term. That sets you up nicely because he refuse, he's a linebackers coach. He wants to build his defense around the linebackers and having athletic guys that can um, be versatile in coverage. And that's what Roquan Smith is. And we'll see if Nicholas Morrow can be that guy as well. But, you know, I'm excited to see these rookies out there. Robinson, I think he's got a lot of athletic potential. He's an older prospect for sure. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have as much upside as um, maybe some other younger uh, prospects, but I, I think I agree with your sentiment that, you know, hoping that he can have like a Travis Gibson type of trajectory is kind of the hope here. So this year is probably going to be a redshirt year for him. Mostly he may get some um, reps just because, you know, they just released Jeremiah Atuachu. So um, their, de their edge up right now is um, after Robert Quinn 
and Travis Gibson and um, Al-Kadim Muhammad here, it's not great, I'll, I will say, but, um, you know, Robinson could have some chances to get some playing time this year, but you're probably not going to see as much impact from him if he does become an impact guy until year two, year three down the road there. So I'm looking forward to Robinson, see what he can do there. Um, but, you know, speaking of Robinson, I think, you know, we talked about the losses and additions this offseason. So to kind of wrap things up here, you said, let's just go position group by position group. And um, talking about this defense as a whole, as it stands going into 2022, you know, are they a better unit than where they were last year? You know, where are they better? Where are they worse? Um, how do you think this unit's going to do as a, in general going into this year? So let's start with the defensive line because there are a lot of storylines with this defensive line. I think the big one is, you know, what are the Bears going to do with Robert Quinn here? Because you look at their starting lineup as it's projected right now. I, I have our lads pulled up right here. This is where I'm I'm projecting this as well, but we'll see what happens here. Uh, Robert Quinn, as your right side defensive end, you have Justin Jones as kind of your three tech. They have Angelo Blackson still here. He's probably going to be your one tech, nose tackle type of player um, to kind of have there. And then Alkabee Muhammad and Travis Gibson are probably going to be rotating in to be that second starting defensive end, depending on the situation there. So, that's probably your starting four in terms of some key uh, backups. We already talked about Dominique Robinson um, as a rookie. He's going to get some playing time here. Uh, you have Kairos Tonga, uh, a, I think a seventh round pick from Ryan Pace's draft last year in 2021. He's still here as your backup nose tackle. Uh, Mario Edwards is still here from uh, the Ryan Pace regime. You know, that was another signing that just did not work out last offseason. Um, they're probably stuck with him this year, but Mario Edwards is kind of that typical. Um, three tech for you in this defense because he is a very good pass rusher. He doesn't really offer much as a run defender, though. He's not the most consistent player. So he's probably going to be a rotating pass rush specialist this year is what my, I'm guessing at this point. Um, and then some other guys to keep a note here. Uh, Charles Snowden was a um, player that I think a lot of people liked uh, going into last year's drafts. He went as an UDFA as kind of this versatile uh, hybrid linebacker edge player. It's kind of a weird fit being a defensive end in this system. So I'm, I'm kind of uh, intrigued to see what he is in this defense. Is he a linebacker? Is he a true defensive end this year? You know, we'll see what happens. Even if he makes the team at all, he, he just might not be a great fit in this defense. But uh, we've also heard some rumors that uh, undrafted free agent Carson Taylor has impressed a lot of people that have been at uh, Bears practices um, for many camp. And apparently he sh he's shown himself to be pretty doing pretty well so far. So, um, you know, a lot of names to talk about there, but I, I think the biggest storyline here is Robert Quinn. What are the Bears going to do? So um, we know that Cleo Mack, that was the big trade. Um, it's kind of ceiling that the Bears are going full rebuild here. And we've been kind of waiting to see, like, what are the Bears going to do with Robert Quinn? Because he's going to be 32 years old this year. He's coming off his best year in a long time. Um, as a pass rusher, had 18 and a half sacks, broke the Bears' uh, single-season franchise record for that. Um, so you would imagine that his trade value is not going to be any higher than it is right now. So with that said, you said, you know, out of the, out of the main story let's talk about here, you know, his first touch on Robert Quinn. What, what do you think the bears are going to do here? Because Robert Quinn's uh, was not there at many camps. So that might be an indication that a move may be on the way here. What do you think? Do, do you think the bears should trade Robert Quinn at this point in time? And um, do you think they end up going that route sometime this season? Well, I think there's advantages and disadvantages that exist, right? So one of the big issues with Robert Quinn is just that salary cap hit. I mean, are the Bears going to be willing to take on another $13, 14 $15 million? 
or is some other team going to be willing to take that on? But then at the end of the day, that's also offset by the Bears kind of getting something back in draft capital because if Ryan Pohl shipped out mm-hmm. Mac for basically a second-round pick and two seventh-round picks, what exactly is Robert Qu- when who's much older than Khalil Mack even going to draw in return, I think three or four years older. So ultimately, when you look at that, that's where the conundrum exists. Personally, I think the Bears are at a point where they should just hold on to Robert Quinn for the 2022 season and then just cut him and make him kind of one of the first cuts going into next year. I believe, I think if he's a post-June first cut or a pre-June first cut, the Bears would gain around $13 or $14 million in salary cap space, which again, this team's going to have nearly $100 million in salary cap space next year. But just kind of having that extra $13, $14 million a year allows you to also go ahead and roll some of that money over into 2024 if needed. So really just kind of play the short game here with Robert Quinn. I think that he is going to be at training camp. I mean, We've seen instances all the time where you have some veterans that have kind of went ahead and missed mandatory minicamp. And, you know, Robert Quinn's no different because, again, he's been in this league for such a long time. He's kind of done it at a high level, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, especially the earlier parts of his career. But ultimately, I'm not really concerned because, again, this season is relevant, but only for the players that are going to be part of the future. And Robert Quinn's not in that category. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've been on the trade Robert Quinn train for basically ever since he started doing well uh, last year. Like I thought like I would have traded Robert Quinn at the trade deadline last year just because of how good he was. Like I would have definitely made that move. But obviously Ryan Pace was the GM then. He was was desperate uh, to keep his job. He wasn't going to do that at that point in time. So I've been on the I've been banging on the Robert Quinn trade him as soon as possible because I don't think he's going to repeat what he did last year. Like you look at, again, I'm getting into the nerdy weeds here, but you look at his pressure rate and pass rush win rate compared to you know, the amount of sacks he had. I mean, he's probably not going to be able to re- replicate the amount of sacks that he had last year or come close because pressure rate is more consistent than year to year than sack rate. And his sack rate did not reflect the amount of pressures that he was getting. Like he, he was getting uh, a way higher sack rate than you would expect from a pass rusher getting the amount of pressures he was getting. So, um, you know, he had a great year last year. I'm just saying that it's probably just not going to happen two years in a row. So you got to maximize that value and trade him now. So, um, you know, I, I would still make that move. I, I think he would be better, better long-term and you get Travis Gibson more work there. Um, but I, Travis Gibson is another inst- interesting name to talk about when it comes to this defensive line group. Um, overall, you know, this Bears defensive line has lost a lot of talent. You know, it, and it's weird because in years past, no matter what you think about this Bears team, you always felt like the defensive line under Ryan Pace was the strength of this team and that their defensive line matched up well with any defensive line in the, in the NFL, especially over the last four years or so when they've really been rock solid on that front um, and have really invested in that unit overall. But now, you know, it's weird. You say it. I, I feel like, you know, the Bears it, on paper, they have 
probably one of the least talented defensive lines in the NFL. And if they lose Robert Quinn or trade him away to another team, it's it's almost dire at this point. They need some young guys to step up uh, to really play well. And I'm not sure they really have that um, right now. You know, the big name obviously comes down to Travis Gibson. What are you going to do in year two? So, you know, what are your expectations for Travis Gibson? Do you think he takes that next jump to be a full-time starter for this team or, you know, what vibe are you getting from Travis Gibson? Because I thought he showed a lot of good flashes last year. Um, and this is going to be probably his best chance to get a lot of playing time here. So what are the expectations there from you? No, I think the expectations are that he does take another jump forward. Now, ultimately, when we look at Travis Gibson, I mean, let's just call it how it is. You're right. He did have flashes last year, and he was thrown into a situation where Khalil Mack went down, was then on season ending injured reserve and all of a sudden it was just hey Travis Gibson you've got big shoes to fill it's your time to shine some of the flashes were against the Packers later on in the year in that game at Lambeau Field so ultimately when we look at Travis Gibson I mean I think the sky's the limit for Travis Gibson as a player I think a lot of people really tend to forget that what Travis did kind of coming out of Tulsa transitioning from a 4-3 defensive and 2-3-4 outside linebacker he pretty much admitted well I've played this scheme and in a system like this in college before. So nothing's really that foreign to me. It's just going to be about getting the buy-in of a new coaching staff and having that coaching staff just continue to hone and develop his skills. But Travis Gibson, I think we're going to be talking about him next year at this time as a legitimate core piece for Matt Eberflus moving forward on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, and, and if Travis Gibson can have that breakout year and year through, which I think is possible because the athletic potential is there, uh, the physical potential is there. Um, he's still he was still working on getting his body right last year, even. So I mean, I think I agree. I think his ceiling is very high. I was always a fan of the pick when they made the pick in the uh, twenty twenty draft. I wasn't a huge fan of trading away a future four to make that happen. You know, it just seems like bad business, but. Gibson, he's been worth it so far, um, and I'm excited to see what he does. I think he can have a big year. I'm not going to say he's going to get double-digit sacks because uh, that's a tough bar to get for a guy like his, with his skill set. But if he can be a solid, you know, seven to eight type of sack guy for this team, get a lot of pressures, be a physical player in the run game on the edge, there's a lot of value in that. So I, I would be very happy if he has a type of year. If the Bears can get an extension done with him and get him locked up long-term on a three- or four-year deal, that would be fantastic, I think, because I don't think his market's going to be uh, very high if they get done early. So, um, yeah, Travis Gibson, I'm, I'm very excited to see where he's at next year or at the end of this year. And, you know, if he's a player that I think he is, I you know, I agree. I think he could be a long-term piece for this team. And he's going to have to because the rest of the defensive line is just not very good. Uh, Blackson, I know he had a solid year last year, but, you know, I, I think he is what he is as a player. He's an average, you know, rotational guy at best. He's going to be being a starter. I think Justin Jones, he's a rotational guy, ideally, for an NFL defense, but he's going to be, you know, asked to be a main contributor for this defense. I'm not sure he's the type of pass rusher uh, to really fit that fit that role. So, uh, you know, this defensive line, you know, maybe you hope that Mario Edwards can bring you something as a three tech and that, and that Tonga uh, can, you know, step up and, and be a nice rotational run defender. But outside of that, I'm not very excited for this defensive line unit. So it's all about Travis Ginson, his development, Dominic Robinson, you know, what can he contribute as a rookie? And I, I think, you know, what you're getting out of Alkanee Muhammad. So uh, moving on to the linebacker room now, obviously the story here is Roquan Smith and his extension. We've talked about, 
uh, guys like Nicholas Morrow, Matt Adams, what they can bring to the table. Uh, they got undrafted free agent Jack Sanborn out of Wisconsin here as well. But I, I think the big conversation here is Roquan Smith and how good he can be in this defense. We saw how good, uh, you know, how good that those linebackers were when you look at, um, gosh, a name is escaping me right now for linebacker for the Colts, Darius Leonard, Darius Leonard, um, how, how good he's been over the last few years, you know, arguably even a top five linebacker since he stepped down to the field as a rookie in 2018. And, you know, he just got the biggest contract for a linebacker in NFL history this last offseason. You know, what's the work going to be for Roquan Smith on his extension? And I think it's possible that Roquan Smith, you know, he's been on the cusp, I think, of really turning into that blue chip player that, you know, we all thought he would be coming out of Georgia in 2018. I think in a scheme like this, it's very possible that Roquan Smith, we could see him really emerge as one of the best linebackers in the NFL this year. Yeah, you're right. And, you know, just some quick thoughts on the linebacker group. I mean, I think Roquan Smith does take another major step forward. And when I look at kind of the rest of this linebacker group, like Nick Morrow, low risk, high reward type of player. Matt Adams, you know, a guy who was in legal troubles over the weekend, just nothing more than a camp body. So ultimately, you know, we look at the linebackers here. I mean, this is a group that I think has a tremendous amount of upside. Now, I'm also going to be of the opinion that you don't necessarily know what you're getting in Nick Morrow because he is a safety turn linebacker. So I would not be surprised to see the Bears in the market for linebacker next offseason. And then, you know, I mean, at least I've mentioned the secondary heavily, but ultimately I think just looking at the secondary, I think that it's a group that's now the biggest strength on the defensive side of the ball, which again, bodes well for the Bears in a league that is pass happy. And one name I think to keep an eye on would be Thomas Graham Jr., who supposedly had had a great OTAs period and then a excellent minicamp as well. Yeah, I'm excited for this linebacker group. I really think this is going to be a good linebacker group overall. Um, I think they're going to be better than last year because, you know, they had – Alec Ogletree starting for stretches of the games. Dan Trevathan, when he was on there on the field, wasn't good. Like they outside Roquan Smith, they were not good at linebacker last year. So I think Iberflus being a linebacker's coach by trade, he's going to do wonders for this group overall. I'm excited about Morrow, what he brings to the table. You know, Matt Adams is what he is as kind of that third linebacker or special teams guy. So yeah, it's all about Roquan Smith for me. I think he can be a great player in this scheme. So I'm I'm excited to see what he does there and to see if he can really maximize his potential in this uh, Tampa 2, cover 2, whatever you want to call it, style of defense. So let's get to the secondary here, wrap it up, uh, you say, because uh, the secondary is probably the group that was most overhauled for the better uh, throughout this offseason period for the Bears. Like I think they really did a really damn good job of upgrading this unit overall. You look at where they were at last year, like the secondary for the Bears last year was, you know, outside of Jalen Johnson and – I guess the shell of Eddie Jackson just hasn't been the same guy the last few years, but outside of those two, the bears had by far one of the worst secondaries in the NFL. They were screen Kindle Vildor um, at the outside cornerback. Uh, Duke Shelley was the main guy in the slot for most of the year. Uh, Deshaun Gibson wasn't very good at the other safety spot either. Um, just not a lot of good for the secondary. It was one of the weak spots of this bears team or this bears defense as a whole. You know, I was amazed what Sean Desai last year was, was able to accomplish despite having just nothing outside of John Johnson at cornerback, um, what he was able to accomplish with that secondary. And they've really done a good job of upgrading it. You look at the starting lineup right now, uh, 
Jalen Johnson obviously is your one guy who's the established starter at the cornerback position. Um, he's done a really nice job his first two years as a starter. He's been rock solid. I'm not sure. I'm not ready to call him and put him in the upper echelon of cornerbacks right now. I, I think even the secondary in the second tier is a, is a little bit too much for me. I think he's he's proven himself to be a damn good number two corner. I'm not sure if I'm ready to call him a true shutdown number one cornerback yet so I think he's going to have to prove that this year but I'm excited to see what he does because I think this will be a good scheme for him uh, where he's going to have freedom to be both a press guy and a guy that's going to read the quarterback in zone so I'm excited to see what he does there um, look at the other cornerback spots I think Kyle Gordon is going to start day one at the outside cornerback spot opposite Jalen Johnson the nickel's going to be interesting you have a battle I think between Kendall Vildor or not Kendall Vildor uh, Tavon Young and uh, we heard some uh, rumors that Thomas Graham was getting starting reps in minicamp in that nickel spot. So if Thomas Graham could be that nickel corner for them, that would be a huge development because uh, he was a great prospect, in my opinion, as that nickel guy at, out of Oregon. I thought he was an absolute steal to six round pick last year. So and he was really good last year in his limited playing time. So I'm excited to see what Thomas Graham can do um, in this defense if he can earn that starting job. And then safety, Eddie Jackson is still here. You know, he hasn't quite been the same player uh, since that 2018 season, but I think he's still a quality starting safety in the NFL. You had Jaquan Brisker, who's a nice compliment to him as more of that strong safety, a guy that can go in the box, be physical, um, defend the run a little bit. while and, and allowed Eddie Jackson to kind of be that free safety, roam around the back end of the defense, make plays on the ball. So I love that fit there. And then the depth here, I think, is really good for them at safety. Dane Kirkshank already talked about. I really like his fit. They bring back DeAndre Houston Carson, a really solid, all-around smart player. Uh, He had a really good year for them last year. They draft Elijah Hicks. So they're pretty good at safety and quarterback, I think, going into this year. You know, quarterback depth is a little bit of an issue for me. But overall, you say, I think upgrade is the one word that comes to mind here for the secondary, in my opinion. Absolutely right. Upgrade, revamped, you know, redone, whatever you want to call it. I would honestly, the progress of the secondary and just how this unit plays collectively is going to be so fun to watch throughout the 2022 season. I'm also going to add this in is that Eddie Jackson, Jalen Johnson are kind of the two vets in the room now, you know. Johnson's going to be the biggest face in the cornerback room. So just how he leads is going to be something so key to watch. But I think for this entire positional group as a whole, excitement is also the word that I would use to describe what's going on. Yeah, I'm really excited to see the secondary. It's kind of a weird thing because last year, the strength of this team was the front seven, obviously. And uh, they were able to, pl- to win games early on in the year because of the strength of their front seven, because of their pass rush, their ability to stop the run. And they were able to mask some pretty significant issues in the secondary. This year, I think it's going to be the exact opposite, where I'm not feeling very high on this front seven anymore. They've lost a lot of talent there. They have a lot to prove. Um, if I'm going to be very confident in them, because Eberflus's scheme doesn't really generate pressure um, naturally anyway, and you lose a lot of talent in your pass rush this last offseason, and as well in your run defense. So not a great look there, but the secondary, it is so much, it's like night and day compared to last year. Like I, I'm confident that Jalen Johnson will continue to get better as that, you know, alpha dog corner. I'm not, I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure he's the number one guy, but he's a damn good corner. I, I, I love the fit of Cal Gordon in this scheme. Um, Jaquan Brisker, he's going to be a nice fit next to Eddie Jackson. The depth here is much better. I, I feel so much better about the secondary than I did going into last year. Like last year, it, it was so bad. Uh, last year I think that was one of the problems for this offense last year was they got so used to beating up on how bad this Bears secondary was in practices that 
they felt like they were a lot better than what they actually were on offense. And that hurt them in the games last year. I felt like uh, that's kind of like, I don't know, my weird brain thinking there, but um, yeah, this, this defense is definitely a lot upgraded in the secondary. So um, overall, uh, before we end this thing here, you say any, any general thoughts on the defense as a whole and where do you think they'll be? Because, you know, Iberflus kind of mentioned his consistency in Indianapolis. Indianapolis has consistently under Matt Iberflus had a top 10 defense Despite the, you know, it seems like it seems like a lack of star talent outside of Darius Leonard and DeForest Buckner at times. They don't have a DeForest Buckner on this defense. You said um, I feel like they have a little bit more talent in the secondary compared to those Indianapolis Colts defense. Um, you know, the Bears weren't you know terrible on that side of the ball last year. They were, they were certainly better than I thought they were going to be at times, um, but they weren't a good unit earlier. They were a bottom third defense uh, statistically last year, so. Uh, overall, you know, where do you think this defense is going to be at this year? And do you think they make improvements uh, after what was a bit of a down year last year? Yeah, I think there are going to be improvements in things such as coaching. I would say that statistically, I expect this defense to kind of just be a top 15 unit right there in the middle of the league because it does have that ceiling. Yeah, 100% agree. I think uh, you're looking at a top half of the league defense this year for the Bears, which you know, will that seal them a couple of games? Maybe we'll see. But overall, I think, you know, again, Iberflus being a defensive coach, he's going to want to invest. He wants, he clearly wants to invest on the side of the ball first. And um, you know, they did that this off season. It's revamped. It's, it's a new look defense and we'll just see how it plays out. But overall I'm optimistic on the side of the ball. I think they've got things going the right direction. They've got to add some talent up front, but secondary looks good overall going forward. And I'm excited to see what Irafus does because uh, I think he's a really damn good coach on the side of the ball, and I think he can do some nice things here uh, moving forward. So without further ado, that's going to wrap it up for us here at the Picks for Polls podcast. Um, make sure to give us a follow and a like and subscribe on all podcasting platforms at Blue Wire and the Bear Make sure to check out the Bearport podcast with Zach and Aaron as well. Um, as for our social media, you can uh, follow us on social media on Twitter at Picks for Polls. Uh, get all of our updates there going into this offseason. Uh, you say to work and our listeners find you on social media and find your work. Yeah, guys, you can follow me on social media at Usay Koshal and check out my work on the Bear Report. Yeah, and as for me, you can follow me on the uh, on Twitter at Asia Freeman 25. You can find our work on the Bear Report as well. And, and make sure to subscribe to the Bear Report YouTube channel as well. Um, we're going to be having some stuff coming out over the next coming months going into training camp and as well as going into the season. Uh, so we're really excited about that. So uh, once again, Bears fans, thank you for tuning in for this episode of the Pistol Bulls podcast. Um, looking forward to another um, another week down. You know, we have 4th of July coming up. I think this is going to be our last episode before the 4th of July comes up. So um, you know, everyone celebrate safely um, over the over the next weekend or so. Have a fun, safe weekend, everybody, and bear down. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.